Hi, my name is Rick Bloodworth. This is the Common Sense Christian Channel, and today we're going to be talking about our kids. I had a friend of ours the other day that came up and was talking about some of the difficulties they were having at the school where she worked at and where her one of her children attended, and she was really distraught about it. They had had the school locked down on, on several occasions, and I guess in the past year, because they had some discipline problems that they couldn't handle any other way than by locking the entire school down and getting authorities to come out and respond to it. And so we see situations like that, and, and we wonder how things can get to that point. We look at some of our kids and the things that they struggle with, drugs and alcohol have always been been a problem, but it seems to be starting to affect our kids at a younger and younger age. And it's not just that. So many of them are suffering the effects of being in a household where there's so much abuse of substances that it just has affected them. And some of them are in danger because of that. There have been kids that have literally been taken out of their homes because of situations like that. And it's very distressing. We see things along these lines and we wonder, well, is there anything we can do? And very often, I'm afraid, we just kind of give up, and we think, well, it's too late, it's not my job, this is something the government needs to be taken care of, or the teachers need to be taken care of, or the police need to be taken care of, or whatever it is. And certainly there are some things that they have their part, their role in taking care of, but I want to point out that if we can take care of our own children when we have the opportunity to do so, that the other problems will not show up, at least not to such a serious extent. In Proverbs 22, 6, it says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's older, he won't depart. Well, that certainly is first and foremost an instruction for parents to raise up their kids in God's way. We we read the Bible to them. We, we When they're little bitty, we read Bible stories to them, and we talk to them about God and who he is and how much he loves us. We pray on a regular basis. We try and make sure that they're at Bible classes when we can and at the worship on the first day of each week. And we do our very best to train them up in that way. There's also a part of that that's instructing us to train them up in the way that the individual should go. They have, All of our kids have different personalities, different aptitudes. It's kind of like a, a, a ball team. Uh, when I was coaching basketball, I might have 10 or 12 kids turn out for the team, but I didn't put them all in the same position. Some of them were different heights. They, they were different weights. Their speed was different. And so some of them were more apt to be a point guard. They had a dexterity to them and a quickness. Others might be much better at putting under the basket and letting them get rebounds and score underneath there. And others were just really good on, on defense. And so when you're putting a team together, you really are doing it in the way that they should go. They, you, the team needs all these positions, but each one of the individuals needs to be put in the into the position that they can do the most good for the team. And so when we're training up our children in the way they should go, we take into account different aspects about these children, and that will help us to train them up uh, according to the best way for them also. God's rules never change, mind you, but sometimes the way that we encourage our kids will change based upon 
their personalities and their temperaments and so on. In Deuteronomy, when uh, Moses was giving Israel their final instructions before he died, he was 120 years old, he was about to leave them, and God just had a number of things that he wanted Moses to pass on to the Israelites. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he started off by saying this in verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. If you'll recall, when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, he didn't go back to the Ten Commandments. He went back to this commandment. You start by loving God in the right way. And then he said, these commandments I give to you are to be upon your hearts. Well, if we love God, that's, that's where they'll be. It's just like when we're small and we love our parents. Well, it's in our heart to do right for them. We want to please them. I realize that kids will be kids and we'll disobey from time to time. But if our hearts are right because our parents are right, then we're going to be a lot more likely to uh, do our best to be obedient to them. Not just because we have to, although that's part of it, but because we want to, because we love them. But after God said, had Moses say, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and have the commandments on your heart, he said this, impress them on your children. So just don't have the commandments on your heart, but, but make sure your children do as well. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the frames of your houses and on your gates. The idea is that we're trying to do our very best to train our children up in God's way. And so we surround them with God's way, not in some sort of a perverse, controlling way, but in a way that we let our kids know what God expects of them because it will help their life. And we do that because we love God and we love them. Well, getting back to this, this passage in Proverbs 22, verse 6, there's something else there as, as well. When it says train up a child in the way he should go, while we are primarily talking about parents, there are others that have influence and authority over kids, aren't there? There was a politician a few years back that said it takes a village to raise a child. They were quoting from a book that they had seen somewhere, but their implication was not so much that it took the village, but that it took the government to raise your child. I would say they've had enough of a chance at that, wouldn't you? And I don't think they're doing a very good job at it. It doesn't take a government to raise a child. It takes a mama and a daddy. It takes a family. And it takes a church as well, a body of Christians who love that child. And, and what better place than the church where you're worshiping at to have just different people doing different things. I've always been impressed with our older people and the way that they love our kids so much. And they'll encourage them when they're there and they'll be praying for them and letting them know. And we parents know they've been praying for them. Now, as a grandfather now, that's become more and more important to me. And I've come to a, a brand new appreciation for those who do that. Our Bible class teachers are also doing their best to train up these children in the way they should go, taking the trust that their parents have given to them in the area of, of Bible training. It's still the main responsibility for Bible training is the parents, but we also have others that are involved with that. And so they help train up our children in the way they should go. One of the things that, that I really 
am impressed with as I go through Deuteronomy is how many times God has Moses talk to them about their children. In Deuteronomy 11, in verse 18, it says, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And in verse 21, it says, So that the days of your children may be many in the land. If we train up our kids in God's ways, they're going to have a good life, generally, a long life, generally. They're certainly going to have a much better life than if they weren't trained by the standards that God has for them. Along these lines of standards, that's one of the things I believe we need to be very cautious about when we talk about our training of our children, whether we're talking about parents or Bible class teachers or anyone else who has influence over them, because there, there are standards that are unchanging, but we also have things in our modern world where the standards seem to change or where we misuse the standards that are right to use. We had a gentleman uh, at church that was talking about uh, one time buying a pickup and in the back seat or behind the, tucked behind the seat was a four foot long level builder's level. It was a really nice level. It was made of brass and of, of uh, wood. And, and he said it was just really a, a nice piece of equipment. And he said he used it all the time. But he said he rarely used it for its intended purpose of, of checking the level on something. He used it to prop open his door. I, I wonder sometimes if that's not the way we use uh, God's standards, where instead of applying them to our lives as best we can, we sometimes use them to prop up preconceived notions that we might have or to try and prove that we're right when we know we're really wrong. One of the aspects about our standards is making sure that we use them in the intended way for the intended purpose. At the end of Deuteronomy, or close, close to the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 32, it said, when Moses finished reciting all these words to Israel, he said, take to heart all the words I've solemnly declared to you so that you may command your children to carefully obey the words of this law. And then he said this, they're not just idle words for you, they're your life. When we talk about God's standards, we're not just talking about things that are nice to think about or things that are just because they're there. They're our lives. And if we can use the instruction that God has for us and apply it to our lives and train up our children to do the same thing, they're going to do a lot better. Now, getting back to this school example that we, we began this with, we, we see some things going on in our schools that we really are concerned about now. There used to be a time when the Bible was freely taught within the schools and prayer to God through Christ were made on a regular basis. It was just part of school life. Uh, but starting after World War II, about 1947, the Supreme Court started making decisions to remove God from the public square and especially from the schools. Uh, it continued on through the 1960s until finally in 1963 there was a law passed that just said you cannot ha teach the Bible or have prayer within school, at least nothing that is uh, sponsored by the school. And so from about that point on, we start seeing a very marked deterioration, not just in our schools, but within society. 
It was very shortly after that time that the drug revolution took place in the 60s and the free, I was about to say free morals, but the freeness towards immorality. People started having unwanted babies. And so by 1973, they decided they needed to do something about that. And so they legalized abortion and they thought that would take care of the problem. But the problems have just continued to multiply. Hiding your sin by committing a greater sin is not a good way to do away with sin. And hiding God from our children is a very poor way to train up our children. And we found that to be true. There is a solution, though, or different solutions that, that we have. We've seen some people just pull their kids out of school and homeschool them. And they, some of them have done really good jobs. Some of them have not done as good of a job, but they're trying to do their best. But there are other solutions as well. And so I just wanted to, at the end of this lesson today, introduce to you an idea. It comes from a book called During School Hours, and it's written by Joel Penton. He's the founder of LifeWise Academy. And the premise for this is that we can teach our children some Bible during school hours. There have been Supreme Court cases that have ruled that this is all right, but it has to be under several conditions. According to a ruling in 1952 by the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court said this, religious teaching during school hours was constitutional as long as there were three things that were met, three conditions. One, that these these Bible classes were held off campus. Two, that no school resources were used in the teaching of these Bible classes or in the transporting of the kids to the off-campus site. And three, that parental permission was given for everybody who attended these Bible classes. This has been tested in courts, and the courts have decided that it not only was not in violation of the Constitution, but that it upheld the First Amendment what we've called the Establishment Clause, that says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Uh, in this book, the author talks about the fact that we did a good job on not letting uh, state-sponsored schools establish a religion, but instead of separating church and state, what they did was they eliminated one side— and we all know what side that was, church. And he pointed out it would be like having two of your kids fighting, and instead of putting them in separate rooms, you keep one inside and you kick one out of the house. Think about that for a moment, where, where you're not just separating them, but you're not treating them equal anymore. This is not a separation. It's an elimination. And in our schools, we've kind of progressed in that way, haven't we? Instead of separating church and state, we've eliminated church from anything that is state-sponsored. And, and we've paid a penalty for that. Well, currently today, according to recent statistics, the most recent that I've got, there are over 500 schools that have something called released time for their kids. And it's essentially that. They release their kids for an hour a week, usually the grade school kids. They take them off campus or somebody comes and takes them off campus because the school can't do that themselves. And those who the parents have given permission to do that will go to a side off campus and they'll be taught the Bible. Not doctrinal issues from the teachings of men, but just the Bible. Things 
like the creation and, and the flood, things like honesty and chastity and all sorts of virtues that only the Bible can teach with the authority of God himself. You see, when we started teaching character counts without the Bible, it was like teaching somebody to rebuild a transmission without ever intending to use it in a car. You might have a transmission that runs, sure enough, but if you're not going to use it in a car, what good is that transmission? And if you try and teach people character without, <coughs> without a reason for it, without it being God's character, then first of all, we're going to have standards that are ever-shifting. But secondly, the kids are not going to feel bound by that. A child has a very good understanding of who God is. We just have stopped teaching our children in a great part who God is. When they know who God is and when they know that God loves them, they begin to love God as well and they begin to want to do things because they know it will please God and it will please their parents. It will please the schools. They have found in these programs, and I mentioned there's over 500 schools that have been involved with this, with over 350,000 children uh, currently involved in these released time programs, and they're finding all sorts of things, such as improved discipline in the schools when the kids are there. They're finding that the crime rate has gone down among those who are attending, and some of the problems that are created by a lack of morality and a lack of standards are now starting to diminish things like teen pregnancy and, and substance abuse and, and the like. And so the point of all that is when we talk about the problems that we have, we are inclined to just complain about it and wish it could be different and wring our hands over what we can do. But there are things we can do. The first starts with training up our children in the way they should go. The second is we can be looking at different strategies that are legal and have proven uh, to be quite beneficial, and we can use those in training up our kids. The bottom line is we want our kids not just to be good citizens, not just good children in the family, but we want them to be good servants of God, and that's why we train them up in the way they should go. Will all these problems go away? And the answer is no. But we can help address some of these problems if we'll just do our part. My encouragement to you is this. Don't give up. One last passage. It involves Joshua. And he's talking to the Israelites just before he dies. And he talks about you need to decide who you're going to serve, whether it's God or whether it's going to be worthless idols of the nations around them. But he said... As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. If we will be absolutely determined to serve the Lord with our household, first and foremost by devoting ourselves to God because we love Him, but secondly, and just as important, training up our children to do the same, we're going to find great success. And that success is going to spill over outside of our house, into our schools, and into society if we'll just obey God and train up our children in the way they should go. That's it for today. I appreciate your attention. Appreciate your tuning in. I pray that God will richly bless your efforts as you attempt to serve him to the best of your ability.